The last 18 months have seen a dramatic shift in the way architects and designers approach interior design. And that includes the commercial restroom, with trends ranging from the added importance of touch-free innovation, to design and space planning to accommodate social distancing. But where do we go from here? There are still many evolving trends driving commercial specification as we head into the new year, such as the importance of gender-inclusive restrooms, achieving well-building standards, privacy, and more. Welcome to Sloan's Commercial Restroom Reflections Podcast, the show where we take a deep dive into the past, present, and future of restroom innovation. Recorded from Sloan Studios in our Franklin Park, Illinois headquarters, each episode will bring you engaging interviews from our team and other industry experts to keep you up to date on cutting-edge commercial restroom trends covering design, technology, sustainability, and much more. Let's get today's show started. Hello, I'm your host and Sloan's Director of Corporate Sustainability, Patrick Boyle. We're pleased you could join us for today's episode of Commercial Restroom Reflections. The way architects and designers approach interior design specification today has changed drastically from the days prior to the pandemic. Hygiene and touch-free innovation has been pulled forward at a rapid pace in just over 18 months, and buildings are being designed to increasingly accommodate social distancing. As we turn the page to 2022, a new set of trends are beginning to take shape. We're pleased to welcome a pair of guests to today's show to discuss this and more. I'm joined by Paul Bukowski, Editor-in-Chief of Architect Magazine, as well as Sandy Cooper, Sloan's Strategic Account Manager. Paul and Sandy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Patrick, and uh, hi, Sandy. Thanks so much, Patrick. How you doing, Paul? Good. Um, what are we going to talk about today? Great question, Paul. So, as Editor-in-Chief of Architect Magazine, you provide you know, the, the most cutting-edge news and insights from across the globe to architects and designers. What trends are you seeing across the commercial landscape when it comes to hygiene and design? Thanks, Patrick. So one of the things that's interesting, of course, that we've been dealing with with the pandemic for the last year, year and a half, is employees going back to work. And there's an interesting study that came out last week that 66% of employees want better office cleaning practices before returning to work. So we're also starting to see that employees not only want sanitation professionals regularly at their workplace, and that would make them feel safer, um, and we're also starting to see that it used to be cleaning crews would be cleaning at night, but now they're coming in during the day. Employees want to see high-touch areas being cleaned frequently, like doorknobs, elevator buttons, and bathrooms, but we're also starting to see us moving some of the, these cleaning vices to actually the front of the space. As you come in, visitors need to make sure their hands are clean. We're starting to see some of the fixtures that used to just be in bathrooms being moved to more public spaces. Hand hygiene plays a major role in the CDC's layered approach to reducing COVID exposure, which, but that also includes ventilation improvements, physical distancing, and wearing masks. As we look at how do we return to the office, Ventilation is also an important part. So making sure that we have fresh air coming through an office or an education space is something uh, that we're going to start to see. Another trend that we're starting to see is the idea of office consultants that are coming into office spaces 
and really being experts in how office design works, airflow, information technology, and also uh, healthcare protocols. So it used to be HR would deal with all of this, and now with so many of the federal, state, and local COVID policies changing, reopening offices is now almost like a game of chance. And there's a disconnect between most workers' desire for flexibility and most executives' demand that workers return to their desks. So it puts uh, HR in a, in a hard position. And so these are some of the things that employees and actually employers want. And the main thing is that they want peace of mind. So how, how can we make sure that as people return to an office that they have peace of mind? Paul, that's, uh, that's some great insight. Thanks for all of that. Now, Sandy, Paul just touched on several hygiene topics, and there's certainly been an area of emphasis in commercial restrooms for the past couple of years. What trends are you seeing in the commercial restroom now? I agree, Patrick. Paul had some uh, really interesting points. Um, Some of the things that we're seeing on our end with Sloan, trends like IoT, putting fixtures in that will communicate information wirelessly and that will definitely help keep restrooms functioning properly. So if something would happen to go wrong in the restroom, the maintenance staff would be notified right away um, so that they'll come and fix whatever problem it is and help with cleanliness. Some of the other things that we're seeing having your faucet soap and hand dryer on the same deck similar to Sloan's air deck that would help with social distancing and and help with minimizing traffic patterns and and also uh, with safety keeping that dripping water from your hands off the floor and then of course looking at innovation and trends when it comes to hand hygiene Uh, Sloan actually has a restroom of the future, a pilot program with the Indiana Pacers Stadium. And over at the Courtside Club, we have a pilot of an entirely hands-free restroom. So it's not just with faucets, soap, and and flushometers, but also there's uh, sensor-activated entry doors, install doors, uh, there's flood detection sensors. And and we also have uh, capacity signage outside of the restroom, so that would also help with uh, managing social distancing and streamlining uh, traffic patterns. Sandy, that all sounds pretty amazing. I think the level of detail, engineering, and technology that really is brought into the design of a commercial restroom now, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, at a large sporting stadium, whether it's an airport, school, or even an office, I mean, I think there's, there's more that really goes into the design than I think most people realize. So, uh, Sandy, thanks for that insight. Paul, let's get back to you. So, architects and designers are now really starting to have conversations around diversity, around equity and inclusion when they're talking about designing spaces. And this is really an important consideration uh, in today's design specifications. What trends are, are you starting to see with inclusive design? Well, you know, it's a really important topic, I think, that it's not only designs for restrooms, but design, designing really for entire uh, workspaces or whatever uh, commercial space you're going to do. But I think that rather than focusing on people with disabilities alone, we have to consider the needs of a broader spectrum of the population. So that means thinking about the human experience, 
thinking about the different identities uh, that are be, being made up by a variety of interconnected factors. So that includes age, gender, race, culture, religion, and ability. The next thing too is we need to have an alternative to the separate but equal model that you know really looks at physical accommodations like ADA ramps and entrances which are unintentionally, they segregate and stigmatize those with special needs, how can we design spaces that really allow the maximum number of differently and embodied and identified people, so in, you know, individuals, friends, families, and caregivers, to come together in public spaces that shape our daily lives. And so we're not looking at a one-size-fits-all solutions, but how can we really design spaces that uh, for people with unique needs that need un unique solutions. Of course, you have to look at accessibility in terms of ADA and the focus on code and compliance and the functional solutions. But I think um, there's architects and designers who are really starting to look at how we can truly design these spaces for everyone. One of them is uh, Joel Sanders, who has started a nonprofit mixed design group which really look at how they can redesign really the future of inclusive design. So for example, if we're going to look at an airport, you know, whenever you go to the airport, maybe you have to go to the bathroom and maybe your traveling pers person who you're traveling with, they don't have to, so they end up just standing up against the wall waiting. Joel Sanders and his group is really looking at how to make that experience uh, work for everybody. So. They're adding in lounges right in front of bathrooms where people can just sit and wait for somebody else. And you know, there's different types of seating. Um, also, when you design the bathroom spaces themselves, you're looking at different seat heights, uh, sink heights, so that maybe a young child wants to wash their hands, that they have access to that. Somebody in a wheelchair uh, has access to that. So that you don't have necessarily this uniform row of sinks, but really a variety of uh, solutions that really work for everyone, the greatest possible uh, population. So, as you know, designers really look to design a more inclusive design solution, the design strategies that they're going to use really have to look at everything from material finishes. You know, are they durable? Are they code compliant? Are they antimicrobial? To things like wayfinding, is there very good signage? Is there detectable floor marking? You know, if someone is blind, for example, that they can get to the right space. Is there color contrast for people with some vision problems? And then, you know, the furniture is also important. That deals with socializing, waiting for somebody. You know, can you reconfigure the furniture so that it, it works well for everyone? Do you have multi-height counters? Um, and is there also quiet conversation spaces for people to have meetings or conversations? And then of course the atmosphere, you, you have to take into account acoustics, lighting, and you know, what kind of color texture and pattern. And then obviously the fixtures too play such an important role these days, especially embedding technology, making sure you have touchless bathroom faucets, for example. So looking at restroom design through different lenses, so everyone, any person can use that space. I think that's great, awesome insight. Thanks, Paul. Uh, Sandy, anything you'd like to add to that from Stone's perspective? 
Sure. That was all great insight, Paul. Thanks so much. Um, I see also, uh, just to add to that a bit, when it comes to the restroom and uh, what we're seeing, perhaps uh, stalls that or partitions that go all the way to the floor for uh, more privacy, um, like you were saying, shared hand-washing stations uh, to really facilitate flow. Uh, in some cases, for all gender uh, restrooms or in inclusive restrooms in, in general, we're seeing uh, single rooms with a toilet and a sink that are accessible. So all of those things combined together really will accomplish uh, a number of things that Paul was, was talking about. And also coming out in uh, early 2022, uh, we're going to have a, a CEU coming out on inclusivity. So not just talking about gender, but like you were saying, Paul, all other types of, of inclusivity as well. That's great, Sandy. Thanks for, uh, for that insight as well. So on, on to our, our third topic here. So the concept of biophilic design uh, or bringing nature inside using natural materials or, or, or patterns is very popular right now. Paul, are you seeing this concept gaining more traction in 2022 and beyond? Uh, well, I think one of the interesting things is, you know, for example, um, there everyone's has plants everywhere now, right? People have plants at home. Suddenly we're reconnecting to nature. We're wanting to reconnect to nature. And I think uh, one of the things that we've seen with the pandemic is that being outside uh, was one way to to, you know, walking in nature is one way and getting fresh air is an air circulation. They're all ways that we feel better uh, about ourselves. So this idea of bringing nature inside, you know, biophilia is really important in not only spaces at home, but also in uh, commercial spaces. Companies with deep pockets such as Google and Amazon are really blazing uh, trails with this idea of biophilia. Google's Manhattan campus welcomes birds, caterpillars, and bees and honey. And if you look at Amazon's headquarters, they have this amazing space called Amazon Spheres, which was designed by NBBJ in Seattle, and it houses over 40,000 plants. It's also a space where people can come to sort of have a meeting or relax or have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone or really just sort of like recharge during the day. So we're going to start to see really, I think, this adaptation of more, you know, biophilic buildings, which, you know, will have air cleaning green walls, more natural materials like wood, calming ponds and waterfalls, um, circadian lights that are mimicking daylight and sounds and scents found in nature. You know, the whole idea is that as we return to these more open spaces, that they can foster collaborative creativity and more mobility. I think connected to that, too, is we're starting to see, you know, this connection between bringing the outside in. We're looking at roofs, for example, now of uh, buildings where they're being used uh, to have outdoor gardens and parks. I know one firm that is currently building a two- and a half acre park that is on top of an old post office building here in New York City and that will be the largest private uh, outdoor park especially on a roof and 
I think that just the whole idea of having more biophilia, the idea of having plants in your office is nothing new. We've been having that since the 60s. But the idea of making nature impact a worker's well-being is something that I think we're paying much more attention to, especially as a way to help retain employees. Yeah, it sounds like the office space, you know, that, that starts to embrace those outside design features, bring that inside is really a way that, like you said, not only keep employees there working, happy, and productive, but it's also a way to really kind of recharge the soul, I think I would say. So great, great feedback. Now, Sandy Paul did a great job of really elaborating how bringing various outside elements into the building is starting to, to gain some good traction here. Can you talk a bit about how Sloan is working to bring certain hygienic elements outside of the restroom as well? Sure. I mean, I, I really love that story about the uh, park, that two and a half acre park on top of the building, Paul. And, and I'm sure that it would be great for those people to be able to wash their hands before they eat something uh, while they're enjoying that outdoor space. So uh, Sloan does have mobile hand washing stations that are uh, completely self-sufficient. So if there isn't any plumbing available around, you know, you're still able to really get a good hand wash in so that you're, you're staying clean um, and minimizing germs. So one of the other things that we're doing is working with Gensler to create areas within spaces that are specifically for hand washing, perhaps in a lobby or in a restaurant, so that the flow of space will be natural to come in and wash your hands. So just as natural as it is for you to come into your house and and take off your shoes, you know, when you go into a restaurant or when you head into uh, your office lobby, you know, washing your hands will just become commonplace because the design lends itself to that. Related to that, Sandy, I think we have to talk about the issue of sustainability because nature, biophilia, really connects to sustainability. So increasingly, designers, as they specify, want to make sure that their products are sustainable and that there's more uh, product transparency and, and EPDs. So I think that that's going to be an important thing as we evolve uh, the design of commercial spaces. You know, products have to be sustainable um, and they have to work. Sandy, Paul raises a really good point about architects and designers looking for products that go beyond just health and hygiene and looking for products that are truly sustainable. What tools does Sloan have to help architects, designers, building owners, facility managers, so on and so on, how do we provide tools to them to help find these types of products? I'm glad that you asked that, Patrick. Um, On our website, on Sloan's website, we've got some great research tools to help people who want to meet different uh, sustainability goals. So for uh, LEED, we have a sustainability calculator. Uh, We also have a water savings calculator. And then um, our well calculator will help you research and find products uh, based on specific criteria that the uh, end user might have or be needing to gain certain points. So 
on the website, there's a ton of, of information, including um, access to HPDs and EPDs, uh, just to help you find and get all of the credits and points that you need. Um, we also have uh, HEPA filters, and the HEPA filters are something that will help clean air before uh, drying them, so with all of our hand dryers. So all of those things will, will really help keep the restroom and the sustainability uh, moving forward. Well, you know, it, it certainly sounds like 2022 is shaping up to be an exciting year filled with some groundbreaking interior trends here. And, and, and I think just on behalf of the team here at Sloan, I'm excited to play just a small part of all this great innovation. Thank you to Paul Makovsky and Sandy Cooper for a great discussion. And as always, thanks for listening in. Until next time, I'm Patrick Boyle. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of the Commercial Restroom Reflections podcast. Sloan is the total solution for commercial restroom specification and has been in operation since 1906. After ushering in the modern plumbing era with a Royal Flushometer, Sloan has grown to manufacture an entire integrated lineup of water-efficient products throughout the restroom, from flushometers and faucets to sink systems, soap dispensers, urinals, and much more, all while delivering cohesive design. If you like our show and you want to learn more, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify, and visit our website at sloan.com to catch up on our latest innovations in product performance, sustainability, and design. Thanks for listening.